you're listening to Now You've Seen It, the podcast that endeavors to fill the holes in your essential movie viewing. Here's your host, Sean Burns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Now You've Seen It, the podcast that endeavors to fill the holes in your essential viewing history. My name is Sean, and I'm going to be your host for tonight. Joining me on this episode is our panelist, Jason Banks. Welcome back, Jason. How are you? Guys, I'm doing good, man. All right. And our guest tonight is Hannah Kiefer. Hannah, tell folks a little bit about yourself and how are you? I'm I'm doing all right. Uh, right in the middle of a uh, of uh, shutdown all across my my <laughs> state. Uh, so I'm got lots of time for podcasting and watching movies. Um, but uh, but yeah. So I I am really excited to be part of this. I love movies. Um, and but the Beastmaster is one that uh, is in a genre that I, I don't watch a lot of sword and sandal. Um, and definitely missed out on this one as a kid, which is when I think I would have appreciated it most. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of musicals. Um, I'm a big fan of psychological sci-fi and psychological horror. Um, and I like long, talky, quiet movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, none I of think which we kind of might have missed the boat with this one, but we'll I think, see. I think they needed some songs in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a good musical number would have been all right. Yeah. All right. So are, you are a big movie fan. I see you posting a lot on Facebook about movies. Are, it looks like you're trying to watch a certain number of movies this year. Is that what you're doing? What I, Yeah. What I'm doing uh, this year is I do try to you know, watch as many movies as I can in a year, but I'm in the middle of a project right now where my goal is to eventually have seen 100 movies from every year. And so I chose one at random. <laughs> I'm working my way through 1968. <laughs> And so I'm at 68 wow. movies, I think, um, and uh, like right there. And so I'm trying to make my way through the last 30. Um, it's kind of fascinating watching them all from when 68 is an especially interesting year because it's like right in between the classic Hollywood and the new Hollywood. So it's fascinating how many things are like riding that line between, you know, big MGM musicals and Chinatown. <laughs> so it's yeah, that's so interesting. The transition must be really interesting. Uh, have you had a favorite one so far that you've done? And, and have you had one that what's what's at the bottom of the barrel? Oh, man. Brian De Palma did two like student films in 1968. And I watched them both and they're both terrible. <laughs> uh, like they're just co incoherent. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think my favorite new one I saw is I watched uh, The Bride Wore Black, which oh, was okay. a, a, a Francois Truffaut movie that I'd never heard of, but watching it, it's it's obvious that this was like a huge influence on Kill Bill, <laughs> um, and so it's it's this woman who goes around killing all these all the the people who were responsible for her husband's death, and it's very uh, very dramatic and very fun and very fascinating. So I think that's been my favorite one, my favorite new one of the year so far. Awesome. Well. It so with your love of movies, was there something about the Beastmaster that caused you to miss this the first go around? Or was it just not on your radar? It definitely wasn't on my radar. It came out um, a little bit, uh, a couple years before I was born. So I didn't really 
watch it. Like it didn't come out when I was a kid. Um, and then I grew up in a home where watching a movie with the random boobs in it would probably not have been, wouldn't have worked. <laughs> uh, that would not have happened. Um, but then, yeah, it never, it, you know, there were other fantasy movies that I watched, but seldom the the sword and sandal was more like fantasy adventure, like watch lots of never ending story in the Prince's Bride. Um, mm. But, but somehow just missed this one. And uh, which is, I think, probably okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird. I I was seven when this movie came out. And I remember, it, it must have been on video cassette. I didn't see this in the theaters. but And I don't know how. I guess my parents just weren't paying attention when this movie was on. <laughs> uh, but I used to watch this a lot when I was a kid. And I remembered so little of it going into this viewing. Uh, it was amazing how little I actually remembered. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here uh, to pay some bills, and then we'll be right back to get into the meat of the conversation on The Beastmaster. Hey, guys. Have you been looking for a new podcast that talks about everything from mental health to music, movies, conspiracy theories, and so much more? Well, now you found that. We are the Shut Up Cameron Podcast. And we're here to brighten your day, whether you're feeling down or whether you're just having your normal daily struggles, because we want you to know that you're not alone and we're here to make you laugh. So please check out the Shut Up Cameron podcast everywhere podcasts are found at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and of course, Anchor. Daddy, Daddy, I have something to say. Um, Please listen to my daddy's podcast. Um, he needs to pay me, and I want money. On June 14th, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Ugh. Sadness is in the house! Oh, no. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. And welcome back, everyone. Tonight, we are joined by Hannah Kiefer and Jason Banks. My name is Sean. We are going to review the movie The Beastmaster. Before we get into it, let's take a listen to what our movie guy has. Okay, we open on the city of Aruk. It is a walled city with a great big ziggurat in the middle the temple of their god are i make a religion check for what to see if there's something fishy about the temple if you let me finish my introduction you wouldn't have to make a religion check that's unfair the head priest has overthrown the rightful king and rules the city with an iron fist Told ya. rumor has it that the king still lives and is being held in the temple your job is to infiltrate the temple defeat the priest and rescue the king uh, mark tell me about your character my name is dar and i'm a warrior with a tragic backstory was your village burned? Yes. Your father was slaughtered. Yes. Your mother was slaughtered. Which one? What do you mean, which one? Long story. I also can communicate with animals and see through their eyes. Uh, so you're a druid? No, I just have a psychic bond with animals. I also have a strange mark on my hand. Well, I am Seth, honorable warrior who is the protector of the nephew of the king. <laughs> Dynamite. And Tanya, uh, tell us about your character. I'm a beautiful slave girl destined to be sacrificed by the evil priest, but secretly... Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Leave that for later in the game, Angel. Okay, Charlie. Starring V's Mike Donovan, 
Donna's mom from That 70s Show, Coming to America's Cleo McDowell, and Men in Black Zed from the director of Bubba Hotep, Beastmaster. All right, great. So Beastmaster is a 1980 sword and sorcery film, Coscarelli and starring Mark Singer, Tanya Roberts, John Amos, and Rip Torn. Loosely based on the novel The Beastmaster by Andre, the film is about a child who is stolen from by a witch. The child grows into Dar, who has the ability to communicate telepathically with animals. Dar grows up in a village where he learns to do battle, but the village is destroyed by a race of beast-like warriors under the control of the sorcerer Max. Dar vows revenge and travels with new friends to stop Max from causing any more problem. Alright, so Hannah, right off the bat, what's your general kind of impression, overall impression of the Beastmaster? uh it's this is a mess of a movie um i i think in the first couple minutes i was i was laughing so hard at some of the acting i was the uh, just, just immediately i was like this is the kind of movie i'm watching okay um there were just so many characters and it was just oh like that didn't matter and never showed up again and there was the acting was so terrible and the dialogue was so cheesy. I eventually like kind of settled into a groove and enjoyed that. <laughs> but it was when it first happened, it was it was startling how quickly it became very clear what the quality of this movie was. Yeah, it's jarring. You know, it's it's jarring how much of a B movie this really is at at its um Jason, what about you? What are your overall impressions of the Beastmaster? Man, okay, so I think okay, <laughs> so <laughs> I think that about sums it up. <laughs> this movie wants to be good. It also wants to be Conan. It also wants to be He Man. It wants to be all those things. It even has a splash mm-hmm. of coming to America because wait for it, the dad coming to America is in this movie. Um. <laughs> Which surprised me. Him and his man thong thing. Like I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this movie, man, it I I think to be fair, I think this movie does have a, an interesting premise because I like, yeah. I like the idea of a warrior who is friendly with animals and he's psychically and you know, I would have liked it to be him like be a vege- vegetarian and things like that, you know, something cool like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that park ranger, like kind of you know fighting for the you know i want a sword and say no captain planet darn it and <laughs> we didn't get one um we didn't but we did get rip torn being a wizard so i am okay with that <laughs> yes i completely agree in my notes i i have best of best performance rip torn worst performance everyone not named rip torn yes uh, because i can was- i can get on that boat <laughs> yeah it was the only redeeming thing about this movie, I felt. Um, I, I mean, there, yeah, there were other things, but acting-wise, Rip Torn was definitely the best. And to your point, Jason, it was earnest. They really did try. They wanted this movie to be good. They didn't want to produce a pile of junk. Um, but unfortunately, I think they kind of missed the mark with this one. But um, All right, so what worked for you, Hannah, in this movie? Overall, not a great experience but what were the pieces individually that worked for you 
I do. I agree with uh, agree with Jason. I liked the premise. I thought that the idea of a of a hero who can talk to animals and communicate with them is such a great premise and one that I'm a little surprised hasn't been delved into a lot since then. Um, I enjoyed. Um, what else did I enjoy? I, I liked. I liked that the animals. I liked that the animals that were they're being used. I thought ferrets were a fantastic decision like it wasn't all these big tough ones it was you know you you have you have you have the big tough ones and the ones that can fly but then you've also got these these little tiny guys who you know how are put to use in a different way i thought the way that they used the animals was really interesting and it, that it might had be a it. certain like D D kind of quality to it where you had the it did and he picks up the thief and the ferrets he picks up the scout and the eagle he picks up the the tank or the barbarian and the uh, and the cat so you know it kind of had that sort of fantasy trope of we're going to pick up all the different pieces along the way you know so there, there's there's a nugget in there that just it, it was one of those kernels that didn't really pop you know yeah Jason what worked best for you for me I I to me I have a soft spot for these type of effects like when they did the him seeing through the eyes of the eagle or the tiger or the ferrets I liked that a lot that that kind of ethereal way they did things with the the lighting around the edges of the screen and the the speed lines kind of I like that a lot I I I do I also think that the look of the movie is what it's going for it's going for sword and sandal and it gives mm-hmm. you sword and sandal um but again there are just moments of the B moviness that just don't work like um the the witches when they're tr- like you can't get you can't put models in bikinis and put rubber uh, toxic Avenger masks on them and expect them to, to not <laughs> still be very attractive ladies. Like you just, it just, it was so silly. And the rubber cow. So, so what worked for me was the look of the movie, but at the same time, what did and did not work was the B movie of this movie. Cause I enjoy B movies. I really do. And it was just, but the reason why B movies work is because they don't work. Um, you can tell that they were trying and reaching, they were punching way up with this movie. Because again, I feel like they were trying to be Conan or He-Man or one of those Sword and Sand yeah. movies and they were punching solidly up with this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they they did it because they made three of these things, so they, somebody watched it. Oh yeah. Oh no, they were, this movie was really popular, I know, amongst my friends. I don't think it was just because of the boobs, but Granted, we were like nine, so it might have been just because of the boobs, but um, a couple things that actually worked for me. It's funny. I have in my notes that I thought the, the pig ladies, the witches, I, you said Toxic Avenger. I looked at their face that um, episode of The Twilight Zone where a woman wakes up and everybody's a pig and she's a beautiful woman, but they're all telling her she's ugly because they don't look like she doesn't look like them. Um, they kind of reminded me of that. I thought that the dichotomy between their bodies and their heads was really kind of jarring and would have been much more so if the makeup had been better, but you know, it was what it was for, you know, 1982. Uh, the no eyed bat people that kind of like would surround people in like the skin yeah. cocoon. Those things gave me nightmares when I was a kid. That's one thing I actually remembered about the movie. And I like to play, where do I know them from? And brought up, John Amos, who was uh, the father in Coming to America, also the father in Good Times back in the 70s. Um, Mark Singer, I knew from V. 
Uh, when I was a kid, me and my friends, you know, you go out and you play Indiana Jones or you go out and you play Star Wars or whatever, and you're all the characters. For whatever reason, my friends were all about V, so we would run around shooting aliens and things like that. And everybody mm-hmm. wanted to be Donovan, who was Mark Singer's character. So, um, And then uh, at one point I thought to myself, oh, hey, there's Donna's that 70s show uh so that was kind of a strange one and uh zed was played by rod loomis who was freud and bill and ted um and yeah and one of the pig ladies i I don't know which one because i don't see their faces but one of them um was janet jones uh gretzky she married wayne gretzky in the late 80s i believe it was and i know i had a she was one i had a poster of my wall is young teenager um so seeing janet jones name in the credits i was like oh i didn't know she was in this either so nice little game of uh where do i know them from but i I do want to ask though because i'm confused about the summary of the movie i read said that he has the ability to communicate telepathically with animals i could have sworn i remembered he was able to control animals and that he was actually able to talk to them and that maybe they talked back. And obviously I was wrong about that, but is his only ability really to see kind of through their eyes? Or Hannah, did you pick up on anything deeper than that? He definitely is able to communicate with them somehow. Um, like he gets them to do things for him. <laughs> and so like, clearly he's got, I, 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 but it didn't seem like a control thing. It seemed like he was like, hey, friends, help me out. Right. He was able to appeal to them in some way, but like, I can't remember which animal it was, but there was one scene where he's standing there a full minute, like jerking his head to the side going, you know, go over here, go over here. And the the animal's just not cooperating. So he he doesn't have that control. Um, Jason, did you see anything deeper with that that I'm missing? Or is that really the extent of his power? I I agree with you. I definitely remember watching this as a kid and being like he can control these things like he can he can he they're not like his slaves but like they're solidly like how you know how like Jean gray has psychic abilities or psychic things that she can do like he has these animals that he can be like hey go do this for me or go take this and you know guide you you assume he's going to be a beast master (laughs) yes absolutely like (laughs) he's not mastering these beasts just a beast buddy (laughs) yes any point they could eat him like those ferrets could have bored into his eye socket. <laughs> I got some scary stories about ferrets that I came across for today's. We don't need to get into, but yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely odd how he just seemed to, he, he had influence over them, I guess, but not any kind of control. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I distinctly remember, him controlling them and him talking to them and them talking back. And I obviously just completely missed We're making that. up those conversations in your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe you, know, you were communicating telepathically with them. Yeah. I didn't I have had pants as, as a kid. So, you know, maybe this was my just way of dealing with that was thinking that he was controlling and talking to these animals. So. <laughs> Would have been a, uh, would have, to be fair, it would have been a better movie. Like if he had a, I mean, I know that they were limited by, actually working with animals and as they say in hollywood the two worst things you can work with are animals and children um but and this movie had both yeah (laughs) so my thing is like if if this was done in modern times he would have solidly been it would have solidly cgi and he would have had a cadre of animals he wouldn't just have ferrets a tiger and a a, Hmm. 
He would have had all kinds of animals. And I think that would have made this movie or would make this movie better if that was the case, because it gives him a variety of things to utilize. Like, you know, what if he could talk to, you know, snakes and have them, you know, attack people like a big boa constrictor, wrap somebody up or something like, or a bear, you know, like those have been cool. That would have been dope. Like, I mean, they had the scene where he had the, where he talked to the bear at the beginning, like that bear could have joined him. Everybody yeah. needs a blue. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's interesting. I've read an interesting bit of trivia on this movie about the bear. And on Mark Singer's first day of filming, the kid that was playing the young Dar, uh, uh, Billy Jacoby, was filming the scene where he first learned the animals or could communicate with them. And this bear happened to be the only bear working in Hollywood at the time. And as soon as he came out of his cage, the bear broke loose and attacked his handler oh my and gosh. the rest of the crew went fleeing into nearby vehicles for safety and as soon as the bear was recaptured and the handler was carried off for medical attention the crew turned to mark singer and said okay we're ready to film scene <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine that the first day on set that this happens uh. yeah and, and that's i think and the question that i have is do you think if we were to do a remake of this let's say we're re- this movie do you go cgi with the animals could you do real animals or would the you know PETA and and those types of groups just put a stop to that hannah what what are your thoughts on that do you go full cgi or do you i think i i think they'd go full cgi i think i think if you don't it's it's kind of understand you, you can look at, at the a, amount of animals he had in the 1982 version and be like okay i understand why he didn't have a giant army of animals but if you have the ability to make an enormous animal army and make the animals like really show that he has this connection with them or possibly control over them um like I, I, I feel like it would be, it would feel weird if you didn't take advantage of that. If you have a movie called The Beastmaster and you don't just fill your screen with animals <laughs> obeying this person, I, I think if you have the opportunity, take it. So you, you wanted to go the full Doctor Doolittle, uh, full Doctor Doolittle, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> but less, I don't know, <laughs> more, less more Robert whatever, whatever, yeah, less Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Well, the original one had music, and I wanted musical. I wanted a musical number in here, so maybe it's a, yeah. it's a cross between the two. <laughs> there you go, uh, Jason. What are your thoughts on about going CGI? Talked a little bit about the the television show, and you know whether we would want to remake this as a TV show as opposed to a movie. What are your thoughts on a remake of? If you, I mean, if you're going to do a television show, then it has to be a company who's not willing to you know turn into the skid. And so I would say that's really either AMC or HBO. Um, as for a movie, I don't know how well Sword and Sandals does now. I mean, Jason Momoa did Conan, and I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was solid. I because Conan wasn't Conan's not a good movie in the first place. So right. So if you remake it, I don't expect you to make a masterpiece. And if you want a big buff dude who's fun loving and a real good time, I mean, Jason Momoa is the guy. Either him or The Rock, right? Um, but this movie, man, it's got so many things that are just reminiscent and are just straight ripoffs of other stuff that I just don't think would work. Like the scene where he's on top of the rock spinning the sword, that's right out of Conan. 
solidly yeah. out of Conan. I mean, his outfit is Conan's outfit. The sword is Conan's sword. Like the and there's even an evil, uh, evil god that he is going against in this movie. Whereas you know, in Conan, it was a uh, crumb that he was a uh, fa- he believed in, and then finally he was like, you know what? I'll do this myself. I don't believe in you anymore. Like, there's that kind of vibe in this movie as well. So I just don't think it would work. Like, I feel like if you try to do this nowadays, people would just be like, dude, just give me Conan. Just right. give me a Conan movie. All right. Um, well, we did talk a little bit about Rip Torn and, and being the, our favorite actor in this movie. He does a, such a great job of playing bad guys. Are there certain actors in your mind, Hannah, that, that when you see them in the bad guy role, you just go, okay, this is going to be good. Oh, Oh man, who plays good bad guys? Um, ooh, there are there are there are a lot. Um, who would I go for? Um, I mean, because there are different there are different kinds of bad guys. Like I, you know, you've get you've got some who are like the the really big over the top ones, like Rip Torn here. I'm trying to think who in in like current times would I? Tim Curry, the only Tim Curry. Curry oh my gosh, that's scene, a good choice. Scene chewing, curtain swallowing. Yeah, yeah no, my I, mind's blank. I know I, yeah. That's okay. Well, I'll throw out a couple names, see if it sparks anything for you. For my list, I had uh, uh, the late Alan Rickman, of course, Hans Gruber and Professor Snape, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham. Just He was so good at playing bad. Um, I, controversial choice, but I really liked, and it was just his voice, but I really liked James Spader for Age of Ultron. He just has mm-hmm. that creepiness factor really does so much for a villain um and i also have uh, michael keaton on this list uh i thought his michael portrayal, keaton is a fun villain yeah his portrayal is the spider-man movie a lot of fun and the character he played in the robocop remake was a lot of fun so those were some of the names that that i threw out there um jason do you have any others that you would add to that um for villains you know Mark Hamill plays a wonderful villain. And I know mm. a lot of his villainy is with the Joker, but Mark Hamill's ability to do in front of the camera work and behind the scenes, behind the mic work, I think he could do a fantastic villain. Um, also, um, a little against type, but I would like to see an actor, maybe, uh, or, or like Denzel Washington. I'd like to see him or, yeah. or, or, or an actor or actress who is known for their good guy roles mm-hmm. be a villain. And I think we've seen, you know, Denzel do that in Training Day, but we've not seen someone like Idris or Tom Hanks or. Um, um. You know, I would argue uh, I have not yet seen uh, Beasts of No Nation. Oh, 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 God. Fine. oh, I so forgot where he plays the, the, the African war. Yeah. Oh, he's amazing. In that and I suppose um, there's also Cats, but that's less of a stellar performance. No, 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 no. I don't think he's a villain in that movie. I think that movie itself is <laughs> The movie is the villainy. It is. Oh, but no, Idris Elba is a great choice. I, I mean, he's good in everything. Um, oh, no, Christ- no. I I really enjoy Christopher Walken as villains. When oh, he yeah. to do that, that's so much fun. When he gets to cut loose, or Willem Dafoe, maybe like when they get to cut Willem loose Dafoe, because he's if you've not seen it, a uh, lighthouse. Wonderful. Oh, it's so intense. <laughs> All right, yeah, those are great choices. I I had Willem Dafoe down on my shorts too. 
what I was going through. And so, uh, yeah, those are a lot of fun bad guys. Uh, Hannah, Jason talked a little bit about how he liked the use of the special effects, for the seeing through the eyes of the animals, stuff like that. Was there, what were your feelings on the special effects? Did they work for you? Did they not work for you? What, what, your, what are your thoughts? Uh, they they were not as distracting for me as they could have been. They were. I felt like most of them were. Um, they were kind of what I expected from this this level of movie, this genre, this year, um, and clearly like a B movie quality. Uh, sometimes uh, I'll see movies like this where the special effects are like just so out of out of just absolutely terrible, and this was mid-tier um i was more distracted by the dialogue and the acting than i ever was by the special effects um i i at least like could understand what you know what was happening and uh and i could see what they were trying to do even if it didn't always work for me so i didn't you know for what it was i didn't have that many beefs with the special effects the one thing i have a question about with the special effects is what was dar storing in his house on stilts that it exploded twice (laughs) like that oh yeah it was the blood of Michael Bay. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Couldn't be the ghost of Michael Bay. It was too early for that. So, <laughs> All right. Um, what did you feel about the way they used music in this? Was it good? Bad? Did you not even notice it? Hannah, what did you think? I'm trying to remember if I, I don't think I noticed it. Mm. Um, it must have had a big 80s opening credit song, right? <laughs> or, oh, yeah. or a piece. Like, I don't remember it at all, but I feel like it must have because that's that's what those movies get. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I thought it was very easily forgettable. Like, as soon as the movie was over, oh. I can't recall a single piece of music from it. Uh, Jason, what, what did you think of the music? Did anything stand out to you? Uh, absolutely not. I, I, I think the movie, I think the movie's music did its job, right? Like it was, I feel like it was just run of the mill sword and sandal, you know, fantasy style music. I don't, you know, it wasn't Hans Zimmer or anything, you know, groundbreaking. So yeah, it just, it, I feel like it just didn't stand out. And again, even if it was a superb score, the acting in this movie and the dialogue, I think, would have just drowned <laughs> it out. Like, you, you wouldn't have wanted to remember it because you're like, oh, my God, I have to think of that scene. So I feel like this movie did a, a disservice to its own soundtrack. There could, have been, there could be a great song in there. We wouldn't know. Like, we're just like, oh, God. Yeah. All right. I definitely agree with you there. Um, let, let's go ahead and round out our, our with uh, what, what did you feel was the worst scene and what did you feel was the best scene so we'll start with our worst scenes uh and we'll start with jason and then we'll do the best scene so we can end on a positive note uh jason what was your worst scene it had to be the weird cow birth thing i just first of all i don't even know how that even worked i don't i don't take it out of the (laughs) wife and put it in the in the cow and then kill the cow like i don't what was going on why couldn't you just literally take it out of the lady and that's what caused her to die and bada bing bada boom you stole the kid like i I just what was the cow there for? And when did the witches teleport the cow there? Like, I just, we have cows in this world. Like I just worst scene ever. Oh, <laughs> but is that what gave him the ability to communicate with animals outside oh. the cow? See, it's, it may be a maybe, pivotal maybe. plot point that they just didn't <laughs> smack us over the head hard enough with. <laughs> 
Just, you know, just the yes, the power, of the, <laughs> the power of the cow placenta gave him the ability to to talk and communicate with animals and wait for it. Look, influence over their actual actions. I, look, I'm trying here, right? <laughs> all right, all right. What about you? What's your Okay, okay. I think I'm going to have to tie it for two. One is uh, the moment where we first meet uh, the the woman and he grabs her and like and and holds her in like uh, in like a, a hold that he's clearly not letting her go and threatens her. This is our wonderful, likable hero, apparently. And I just went, oh, oh no, that's not okay. Uh, immediately, I was like, this is not the type of interaction I want for these two. But yeah. the scene the scene that made me laugh the hardest was this tiny little moment. It was just so, so incoherent. And it's early on, and Dara's, I don't remember, he's, he's leaving the village, and it hasn't been destroyed yet, but he's leaving the village for something. And he talks to his father, and then he walks four steps away to the gate, turns around, looks at his father, and says, Father? And his dad looks up, and then they stare meaningful at each other, and then he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said that I paused the movie. I was laughing so hard. I was like, I don't know what just happened. I think they were trying. I guess that was meaningful in some way, but they had literally just had a conversation. Everything was fine. They didn't. They didn't actually convey anything in that expression. What happened? It was amazing. That was the moment where I was like, Oh, this is this is the movie I am in for. This is amazing. Oh, that reminds me. That reminds me of his father just covering up murder. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that dude gets savagely murdered and then he's just like we can never tell the village about this <laughs> like wait a minute his father what? may have been of, if we're going best actor worst actor his father is way up there like <laughs> the worst performance i have maybe ever seen it was amazing and i loved it uh, all right well how about a favorite scene do you have a favorite scene hannah um i was thinking about that i think i think honestly the the scene about midway through where uh, evil wizard is like is sacrificing the child um, was actually done in kind of a, in a way that kind of made me genuinely. I felt like there were stakes there for like the first time in the entire movie. Um, I yeah. thought that was you know even uh, up through the the rescue. I thought that was a pretty decently uh, decently put together scene of uh, these people being stuck. Uh, with this with this madman running the show um so i that was actually pretty decent i enjoyed that great and uh jason what about you do you have a scene of the movie yeah um actually i liked the creation of the death knights or the the death guard or whatever they were called um i liked that where they were like yeah they torture them and use magic and they make them into these kind of unstoppable beasts with this cool mad max armor like i was cool with that i thought I thought that was a like i i, I also like the fact that this movie ended 87 times um <laughs> Yep, we're done. Oh, here comes another army. <laughs> yeah, like we defeat Rip Torn. Oh no, wait, he's back. By the way, his best Chucky impression ever because he jumped on that dude's back like a Chucky doll. <laughs> um, but then next, you know, after Rip Torn's gone, he, they're surrounded by Death Guards. Like I'm like, what? And then, so guys, did you guys know what those bat things were that show up? I, I no. mean, only from his interaction with them earlier in the movie. Are they beasts? Because they seem to communicate with him in some way. Like, if you've had these weird face-hugging bats, man, things, then why didn't you use those before? Like, I just... Well, <sighs> my impression of that whole thing was that 
they were going to kill him early on. And then when he lands on top of the, basically the Eagle statue, that's what saves him. And so I, I think they're just a people who respect him, but why they chose that precise moment to just show up unannounced Mm -hmm. and you know nobody sent for help they just knew to be there at that time this movie is full of Mm -hmm. things happening just the right way just at the right time just the right coincidence uh you know and i i actually have something about that in my closing remarks but it's just it, it was hard to watch but as far as i'm concerned that that's kind of what the relationship between the two of them were but i don't know how they knew to show up then it was yeah i was not entirely sure that they were there for him i was just like are they just out there just scavenging and attacking and it just happened to work out or did he send a signal somehow telepathically with his mind powers i had no idea oh maybe he sent the eagle to go get them i don't know (laughs) go go get those people bring them to me and that's what i think is the the single biggest failing of this movie is that they just don't explain the mechanics of why things are working the way they are. And there's some just bizarre stuff that comes out of nowhere and they don't explain to us why this happened the way it did. So, all right, well, um, we're going to go ahead and go to a commercial. And when we get back, we're going to play a little trivia game and see how much our panelists and guests know about our favorite little uh, critter, the ferret. So it's going to be all about ferrets and right back after this message check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse the better that these marvel films do the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general but other marvel films also i think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way that's the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts welcome back folks to our now you've seen it Beastmaster, and now we're going to have a little fun with our guests and panelists and we're going to have a trivia quiz all about our favorite furry little friends from the movie the ferret first question is going to go to hannah question is a group of ferrets is called a what your choices are A, a cloud of ferrets, B, a business of ferrets, or C, a shiver of ferrets. A cloud, I, a business, or a shiver? I think I vaguely have a sense that it's C, a shiver. Okay. And Jason, you're left with a cloud or a business of ferrets? Hmm. I'm going to go with a business of ferrets because I feel like they're, they're like the living embodiment of a mullet. So it's like the business in the front part of the back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like I'm it. I'm not sure I agree with your, uh, your reasoning, but you did come up with the right answer. So congratulations. <laughs> business of uh, ferrets, group of ferrets. All right. So now we're going to go to have Jason's question number two and that question is how many hours per day do ferrets sleep on average your choices are a 16 b 18 or c 20 i'll go with, i'll go with 18 because that's what i would love to do like i'd love to just nap <laughs> and have a wonderful nap and i've had those days uh all right and hannah what about your 20 i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go higher i'm gonna go with c 20 all right and 20 is the correct answer so we're tied up at one point apiece. 
Garfield. <laughs> All right, Hannah, your next question. Question number three. Uh, the three states or regions to outlaw ferrets are Washington, D.C., California, and which other state? Your choices are A, Hawaii, B, Montana, C, New York. I mean, I knew it was California. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm just going to keep guessing C, I guess. I'm going to guess New York. Okay. And Jason, you're left with Hawaii and Montana. Those deals. Um, I'm going to go with Hawaii because I bet they're like an invasive species there. Like they just turn into you yeah. know, a carpet of ferrets there. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a correct answer. Hawaii. <laughs> Whoever now, guesses second gets it right, is I think, <laughs> is I think how this game goes. It's the, it's the let's make a deal thing. You know, once you eliminate the first door, it becomes yeah. a lot easier. Uh, yeah. It, but to your point, though, Hannah, when you guess New York, they are actually illegal in New York City, but okay. not the state. And not as statewide. someone who lives in upstate, we're very sensitive about the fact that New York City is not the whole state. So for, uh, I live in California, which is why I knew about the ferrets. Oh, so. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, question number four is going to start with Jason. You're up two to one. Male ferrets are known as hobs. Female ferrets are known as what? Your choices are A, Shaw's. B, kits, or C, Jills. Oh, um, I I wanted to make the joke of the Shaws, but I'm not. <laughs> um, I'll go with kits. All right. So Hannah, that's going to leave with Jill. I'm going to keep my my record going and go with C again, Jills. <laughs> All right, and Jills is the answer. Uh, I couldn't resist putting in my my bad sense of humor. But all right, so it's all tied up two to two. And the final question is going to start with Hannah. The first civilization to domesticate ferrets were A, the Romans, B, the Greeks, or C, the Phoenicians? I'm going to deviate from my my number, my my answer C and go with uh, B, which was the Greeks. Yes. Uh, yes, it was. That's okay, correct. good. That's what I wanted. Uh, so. And then, Jason, that leaves you with A, the Romans, or C. If this wasn't a PG podcast, I would make a crass <laughs> joke about what the Romans do with ferrets. <laughs> but I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Romans because she picked the Greeks. So I'm going to go with the Romans. All right, and the correct answer is the Greeks. So, Hattie, you picked the right time to pattern. <laughs> You're correct, yeah. and you win the trivia contest three to two. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You know more random facts about ferrets now. So. But I All don't right. get to have a ferret. So not yes, out here. Because you're in California. All right. So uh, yeah, that would have been a great prize to give away for Wiz. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm sorry. I have to turn it down. Yeah. I'll just take the cash equivalent. Just take the oh. cash equivalent. <laughs> All right, so now we're gonna we've come to the time of the podcast where we give you our ratings and what we do here at Now You've Seen It is we rate all of our movies on a zero dollars to ten dollars and ask you the question: How much would you pay to see this movie in a theater today? So Hannah, if you want to kind of sum up your thoughts on this, you're ready. 
Um, I think if I was going to see it by myself for the enjoyment of the movie itself, it would be like 10 cents. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but if you can get like if I went with like a good group of friends and we were allowed and we were like could be rowdy and talk through the whole theater through, through the whole movie and talk about it. I think I think that could be a solid like six, um, like okay. six dollars. Um, I'm also I just want to toss this in as well. I've also been like snooping around and looking at the book that it's based on and it's an entirely like different setting it's a sci-fi story about a navajo character and that intrigues me so that the book might end up being like an eight it's on my wish list now to read because <laughs> that looks amazing but right. so yeah 10 so, cents or six dollars <laughs> so can we call it an average and say three yeah yeah let's do that that's a fair rating okay all right and jason how about you you want to tell us how much you pay to see this theaters today so I had to rent this on iTunes for $3.99. And I feel like <laughs> at the end of the watching this movie, that was too much because I could go see midnight showings of Rocky Horror Picture Show for free and have a great time and throw hot dogs and things. Um so I would have to I would have to say, yeah, uh three dollars. Uh Cause it's, it's, this you know, and even with seeing it with a group of friends, like, I don't know, like, you're going to have to have a whole lot of libations to help you through this. <laughs> you know? I would love to know if MST, you know, MST3K yeah. did this. They had to have, right? Like this has oh. to have been an episode. I don't think so. I know almost all the MST3K episodes and I don't think they ever did this one. They have missed Beastmaster. Like I could just see those robots talking about the ferrets for like forty minutes. <laughs> they need to get on this right now. Mm-hmm. Felicia Day, top stat. Yeah, this this is a movie that definitely would Alamo House treatment. Uh, what, what's your uh, what's your score? Uh, three dollars. Three three dollars. Three three. Okay, so that means I get to wrap things up here. Um, this movie might be one of the most thoroughly 80s movies that there uh, there ever was i think the story is paper thin the acting was pretty bad and the effects were for me god awful i did like the animals they were fun but the the odd weapons were also kind of cool at if mostly impractical uh that blade thing that he had in his hand acted as a boomerang kind of thing it came back and i don't know how the <laughs> hell you're supposed to catch that um but but to me, the entire movie can be summed up in one scene, and it'll tell you everything you need to know about it. It's the scene where Dar and uh, Kiri are escaping through the air vent, and they're being chased by the weird gimp who's trying to sever the rope. And every time he hits the rope, there's way too many sparks coming out. And then mm-hmm. the eagle pulls him out of the shaft, and he seems to fling him 50 feet in the air, and you know further than he should have gone. And then the rope cuts and Kiri and Dar fall a pretty sizable way and land in the cart with absolutely no damage to themselves mm-hmm. or the cart. Um, and that to me just sums up the everything that's wrong with this movie. It's a <laughs> relic that's better left at its time. Although I seem to have given it a little bit more credit. I rated it at $3 and 50. So if we add up $3, $3 and $3 and 50, and divide by three, we get a score of $3.16 for the Beastmaster. So it's going to be low on our list, but certainly not the lowest. Uh, we have had others that were 
course. All right. So um, in closing, let's uh, go ahead around the table and tell folks where they can find you on the internet. And Hannah, make sure you tell folks about uh, your podcast and uh, where folks can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my podcast is called Somebody Write This. We take a randomly generated plot synopsis and we try to flesh out into an actual story. I think this is maybe how Beastmaster was written. So it works. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, so you can, uh, you can reach me anywhere through there. Uh, our, we're write this pod on Twitter and somebody write this at gmail.com. And you can always get a hold of me through that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Absolutely. Uh, and Jason, where can folks find you on the internet? You can find everything that I do over at nerdswithvoices.com Cause we, you know, talk about all the nerdy things, all of them. And I'm definitely going to have to talk about just the use of ferrets in high fantasy. I just, mm -hmm. they're great little creatures, them in their mullet bodies. All right, great. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe to the show. It does really help us out. You can email us thoughts on the show. You can is for movies at or podcasts at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash now you've seen it. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. You can check out this and other wonderful podcasts at oraclepodcast.com. Our theme music is performed by Eric Hunt, voiceover work by The Voice of Steve. Check him out for all your voiceover needs at thevoiceofstevevo.com. Special thanks to our broadcasting partners at Age of Radio, Galactic Netcast, and the Art, Comedy, and Pop Culture Network. You can find out more about them at ageofradio.org, gncast.com, acpnet.net. Folks, take care of each other and take care of yourself. Stay safe, stay healthy, and now you've seen it. Now You've Seen It is a production of Oracle Media Productions in association with Age of Radio and Galactic Netcasts. For more great podcasts, visit oraclepodcasts.com, ageofradio.org, and gncasts.com.